Again, welcome to Refuge Fellowship. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this privilege of just meeting here today in this place, just to gather together in this country, uh, just to study your word, to, to worship you through the study of your word. Lord, I want to pray for Laura as she's up there with the children, Lord, that each of them would, Lord, would learn something about you today that they didn't know before, something they can take outside of these rooms and take out into the world and share with the lost. Lord, I pray for our service, Lord. I just pray for an anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that there would be that outpouring of that Spirit. As we sing today, Lord, you are welcome here, Holy Spirit, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just fill this place, Lord. You'd remove all the distractions, Lord, that are out there, Lord, from our phones to the... If it's too hot, too cold, uh, Lord, is any noises, any thoughts of the world and the situations out there, Lord, in our hearts and our minds would just be studying your word, Lord, in worship of you. So, Lord, I just pray we hear from you through your Holy Spirit today as we study your word. I thank you, Lord. I just, we love you so much, Lord. I just thank you for the blessing of being able to come together. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we will take communion. Uh, so those that are joining online, I hope that you could find a juice or a cracker, and at the end of the service, we will take communion. Those of us that are here today, please uh, just keep that in your mind. Um, prepare your hearts to take communion later, and so we have it in the back. We will actually well call the children down before we take communion, so different people have different thoughts on that. I invite you to, among your family, um, as you feel comfortable with, but we will invite the children down uh, to take communion, so please know that. So last week, those that were with us knew we were in Luke. So if you want to turn back to Luke, we studied Luke 1, 26 through 56. You can look there real quick. And we are continuing to study chronologically through the Gospels. So I'm kind of looking at it. I have a Bible, and it harmonizes the Gospels, and I pick one out. And right now, it's just in Luke. So we're going chronologically through the Gospels. And right now, again, we're in Luke, and we're going to continue today in Luke. So last week, I began the message with a question, like I usually always do. And I asked you all to examine or think, uh, look at the world around you. And as we did that, we thought about the world around us and everything that's taking place. It was difficult because there was a lot of things going on in the world around us. And as I thought about it, most of the thoughts I had were not pleasant. Most of the things when I think about the world around me, it's pain. It's sickness. It's a lot of injustices taking place, especially around us and the work that we're involved in. But then as I thought about it and we went through the message, I did remember and the assurance that we have knowing that God knew all of this beforehand would take place. And he's revealed to each one of us through his word that we should expect these things taking place around us. We live in a fallen world. Now this week... I don't know about you guys, has had its own new trials and new things take place. Um, different sicknesses, we heard some prayer requests from that. Different hurts, even a death of another loved one. So we've even heard back with our friends in Myanmar of several friends being arrested. So again, there's all these things taking place in the world around us that we need to be in prayer for. And as we all experience all these different trials, the world, as we look at the world around us, I know for me, this is when Satan can bring a lot of spiritual warfare into my life. Um, As I begin to feel kind of hopeless looking at the world around me, um, saddened, um, just doubting even sometimes 
my purpose, or even my calling. Like, what am I doing? This, it's not getting any better around me. We must, must remember that we're not hopeless because our hope is not in the things of this world. It is in Jesus. And that was the message last week. Our hope is in Jesus. This world is not our home. Now, that, again, that was last week. But, you know, I remember preaching that, and I talked to Christian afterwards, and I'm like, the message was our hope is in Jesus. That was it, right? And I was like, man, that seems so simple. You know, and I was like, maybe I should have added some more or gone like further. And I was like thinking the message was simple. And this, you know what? The Spirit of God just rebuked me on that. Just rebuked me during the week. And uh, it's simple. Our hope is in Jesus. And this is where we place our faith. We trust in him. And as we see all these things going on in the world, we just press on. Press on knowing that Jesus is on the throne. So interesting. I'm just sharing that with you. I don't know what your guys' normal daily practice is. I read my Bible every day, and I follow a daily reading plan. I listen to the Bible right now chronologically, uh, listen to it on audio. Then I've also been reading Proverbs. Um, so yesterday, what one did I read? 31st, right? So I want you guys to keep your finger and look. I want you to turn to Proverbs, because this, vo- this verse just really spoke to me, and I want to share it with you guys. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. Verse 8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Each one of us are called to a different purpose as we serve God in this world. And we do our best with the help of the Holy Spirit out there. And then we leave the results up to God, right? And that's something I kind of struggled with this week. Because I need to remain just really steadfast and faithful in looking towards Jesus, you know, because I get all wrapped up with all the things of the world. So I just need to read verses like this and just leave these results up to God and just trust the Lord. Um, I'll say it this way. We are faithful and steadfast in God's calling and then trust the results to the Lord. Amen? So this week, we'll get to the message here, but I just wanted to share that because it just really encouraged me this week as I was facing some difficult situations happening. So back to Luke. We're going to continue here. Luke chapter 1. We are going to start with verse 57. The baptizer revealed is the name of the sermon. As we get going here, a few weeks ago we introduced these people in this story. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story. Uh, God chose each of them to bless them with a son, which was a miracle. We know the story. An angel had visited Zechariah while he was serving in the temple. He revealed to him that his wife, Elizabeth, would become pregnant with a son, and then they would name the son John. Now, this boy, we know, this child, was very, very special. Um, While you're in Luke, just look at verse 117 while you're right there, because it just, it mentions, it says in 17, it says, He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will call those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So we know this is a very special time, but remember what happened in the story. What happened to Zechariah after the angel revealed this to him? He had doubt, right? So then what happened? He was struck deaf and mute. We know the story. So even though Zechariah had unbelief, God's word still remained true, and Elizabeth became pregnant, 
with John the Baptist. And that's what we're going to pick up today in Luke chapter 1, verse 57. So let's read 57 and 58. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. This sounds wonderful. The entire community is rejoicing. A baby is born. As I studied this, I actually uh, looked and listened to a sermon of Chuck Smith. And I don't always do that, but I did this time. And he brought up some interesting ideas that I actually want to share with you. I was reading his commentary, and he shared that in Jewish culture, during these times when a, a woman was about ready to give birth, when she was ready to go into labor, all the local women in the community or the village would gather together. They would gather, they would bring uh, musical instruments, they would bring food. Uh, they, they were getting ready for a very a big party, right? With food, dancing, singing. This sounds great. I mean, this sounds like a lot of fun. I don't know so much for the new mother how much she might appreciate all that dancing and music, but it sounds like a lot of fun. So when the child was born, the midwife, I don't know what they called it in Jewish culture, I just kind of guessed midwife, would come out and announce the gender of the child. So a gender party in Jesus' time to say. If the child was a boy, the singing would commence, the dancing, the feasting would begin, the instruments would be played. A huge party to celebrate the birth of this baby boy. Sounds like fun, right? Now some of you are thinking, wait a minute, what if it was a baby girl? What do you think would happen? Mm, it's very sad. What happens if the pink balloons came out? No, if it was a girl, it's kind of sad. There was no party. Yes, no party. In fact, the women would pack up their instruments and their food, and they went home. Yes, and then they would tell the wife and the family, well, better luck next time to have a son. Yes, how sad is this? I mean, it's sad. This, this, a son was seen as a huge blessing upon the family, right? A favor of God to have a son in the family. Sadly, daughters were kind of overlooked in that culture. I think maybe some of you heard this before. Now, most of you know me. I have one son and I have three daughters. And I'm going to tell you, we rejoiced at all of them being born. I love my daughters. <laughs> now, why would I mention this sad part of Jewish culture? I mean, because it's kind of sad. I mean, it's not right. Um, the reason is Jesus. That's why I mention it. It's Jesus. Because Jesus taught, when he came, he taught we all have equal value. And we should all be celebrated and we should all be praised because we are all loved by God the same as equals. So Jesus came, in fact, let's turn to Galatians. Hold your finger and look. Turn to Galatians and see the difference. Galatians 3, 326. For all, for 326, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on no clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. So I go to that story to bring it back to Jesus because, you know, that was kind of a, it was really a sad story. And it's not right. But Jesus came in the picture. And he preached that we all, male, female, every tribe, every ethnicity, are of the same value. So I think it's neat to know that. 
Let's continue. Let's see what's going to happen next to this baby boy in verses 59 and 60. Back in Luke chapter 1. When the baby was eight days old, they all came out for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. Now in Jewish tradition and even law, we see here that circumcision and the naming took place on the eighth day. These people, they were steeped in tradition, right? We know the Jewish people, they're just steeped in it. So this would have been very, very strange not to give this baby boy the name of his father to the child. It would have been very strange to them. It would have went against their culture, against their tradition. Um, you know, his name would have been his identity, who he was known as. And this was, this, this family was, it was a good name. I mean, this was a godly man, right? He served in the temple as the tribe of Levi. is a family with deep roots. We know it goes all the way back. I mean, this was a good name to have. But instead, on this day, what was he known as? John. What do we know him as even today? John the baptizer, right? Some people say. So we know John as John the Baptist. So this was really strange. We know him as the one that wandered in the desert, the one who ate bugs, the one who wore camel skin clothes. It's very interesting, this. You know, even today, I think that our names given to us affect who we are. What do you think about that, even today? You think it does? I think it does. My name, maybe most of you don't know my full name. Aaron Levi is my name. It's kind of a little bit unique. So what would you expect out of a person with the name Aaron Levi? Maybe be a pastor, a speaker. What about Christian? Christian's name is Christian Paul. He's got a little bit to live up to, huh? Now, there's, so both of our names are prominent names in the Bible, right? Um, so I, I think it does affect us today. Uh, the way people view it. You know, once, i tell you a funny story. I knew a guy, and this is real, it's a true story. I know a guy, his name was Cannabis Sage. Any guesses what he was known for? He lived up to it. That's not the best part. His brother, his brother was named Rainbow. Great guy, but one of the toughest guys that I ever met. One of the meanest guys I ever met. Um... You know, there's even been songs about people getting certain names. You guys heard of the What song am I going to? Ah, there it is. A boy named Sue. Vicky and I listened to that. She'd never heard of it. Anyways, back to the story. So anyways, God has a very divine plan for John the Baptist. And Elizabeth here, we see, was obedient, breaking down her culture and tradition and going against that and being obedient and naming him John. So let's see what happens. Let's look at verse 61 through 64. What? They exclaimed. There was no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. And two, everyone's surprised, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Confusion. A little bit of confusion going on here, right? The people were astonished. What? They're all saying what? Surely, they're all talking and thinking about this, and they're with Elizabeth at first, right? They're like, maybe she's kind of lost her mind. What is she thinking? Maybe she's not thinking straight. You know, why would she do this? This was kind of a big deal in that culture. So they all go to Zechariah, right? They go to the guy. Let's see. And they find a creative way to try to communicate 
with him. Because remember, couldn't communicate. So it's like another, another game of charades again. Could you imagine someone trying to act this out? How would you act that one out? You know, the baby, the name. I don't, I don't know how you'd act that out, right? But somehow, some way, somebody communicated this to Zechariah. But Zechariah, I think, I believe, he knew his name was supposed to be John. He knew that also already. I think he already knew this, and he expected the people to probably question what they were doing by naming this boy John. So he wrote it down. He wrote down on the tablet. His name is John. Then as Zechariah was then obedient to God, we see fulfilling the prophecy, it was then his senses returned. You know, I, I wonder as, as you read this, what each one of you or each one of us or me, what would you say after being deaf and mute for 10 months? What would your first words be? He praises God, it says, right? He praised God. Now, do you think, I ask questions all the time when I read scriptures. Do you think he was praising God for being able to hear and speak again? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he was praising God for the blessing of John and that prophecy being fulfilled, knowing the promises that had been spoken to him by the angel Gabriel were true. I don't know. But it does raise a question for us each, right? Do we praise God when he heals us or saves us from a certain situation or a certain problem that we're facing? Sure, right? We give thanks to God for that. But do we praise him as much as we do in these situations for who he is and what he's done for us through Christ Jesus? Or how much he loves us? Or do we praise him for how he's faithful to us every single day? Do we praise him like that? I don't know. It made me think. It really did make me think. Let's continue. Verse 65 through 66. Awe fell on the whole neighborhood. And the news of what has happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on the events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Praise. The people, the whole neighborhood came together and they came to believe that God had blessed this family, somehow, and that this child was very, very special. Excitement had filled the hearts of these people, and they'd quickly shared. They'd gone out and shared somehow with all the surrounding areas the news, and it spread through the entire area. Hope was in the hearts of these people, believing that God was going to do something special, something amazing through this child. Now, we know what they were looking for, right? They were looking for the Messiah. But, the hope had been fired up in them. They were excited. So John, already, just a baby, eight days old, right? Already, just through his presence, I believe, was already preparing the people to hear the truth about Jesus. Because he got them thinking, wondering, what God's going to do? What's the good news? What's going to take place? So something very, very special is going to happen. Let's look at verse 67. The prophecy. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. So the Holy Spirit, we read, is upon him now. And through the power of the Spirit, he's going to share with the people this prophecy, this good news. This is a, what I would see as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe some would say as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's when God uses a person supernaturally through the Holy Spirit to share a message, a message of hope 
through this hope is in Jesus, in faith. As I think about this, what a privilege. I mean, to be used by God this way to share the truth of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let's read it. Let's read the first few verses of it, 68 through 75. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Through the holy prophets long ago, now we will be saved from our enemies and all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. I think we need to break this down just a little bit. That's a lot there. Let's start with looking at 68 through 71. Look at that. We read a praise, right? It's a praise of Jesus saying that he is coming and that he came with a purpose. You see that? That he came and came with a purpose. You know, as I read this, I want to turn, just keep your finger right there and look, but I want to turn to John because, unfortunately, I think today there's so much confusion, even in Christianity, of who Jesus is. When we talk about this prophecy and it says he's visited and redeemed his people, he has sent us a mighty Savior, I think we need to understand who he is. And we studied this a few weeks ago, but I want to turn to John 1, 1, because I want to make sure everyone's clear who Jesus is. John 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The world, the Word sorry, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I think it's so important that we make sure we know who this Savior is, who Jesus is. And John 1.1 1, 1 explains that very well. That's who we're praising. We studied this again just a few weeks ago. So we see the Lord Jesus has came with a purpose, and we also have a purpose. We are given instructions how to fulfill that purpose here. Do you see that? Look at verse 74. Is our purpose to serve God. But then it, it, there's more to that, right? It says, to serve God without fear. Let's read. I mean, look at that. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. But does it end there? Look at verse 75. In holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. So I put the question out there on the group chat for those that are there. Are we serving Jesus without fear? in holiness and righteousness. Think of that question. Just take, Let's take a minute and look at these three words that he uses. It's beginning with serving Jesus without fear. What does that look like? What does serving Jesus without fear look to, like to you? How do you define that? I thought one way, do you serve Jesus without reservation? That's one way to define it. Or do you hold back in fear, wondering what may happen, or in a lot of cases, what may not happen. Because if you're serving without fear, you're not going to worry about the results. Do you trust God or not? Because if you trust God, you're going to serve him without fear. Now, we're not perfect, <laughs> right? But how about holiness? This one, fear was a little easier to define. How about holiness? Do you serve Jesus 
in holiness. How do you define that? I, I looked it up because I was like, how do I define this? So I looked up to Webster, got the Webster's out on, online now, and looked it up. So if I looked it up, it says holiness applied to human beings. Holiness is purity of heart or dispositions, sanctified, piety, moral goodness, but not perfect. Sacredness, the state of anything hallowed or consecrated to God, to his worship, applied to churches or temples. A third, that is, which is separated to the service of God. Does this define you as you serve Jesus? It's holy. What about righteousness? You serve God in righteousness? I looked it up again. Webster's. I'll give you their, their definition. I shortened it, but... It says, according to the divine law applied to person, it denotes one who is holy in heart and observant of the divine commands in practice. As a righteous man applied to things, it denotes constant to the divine will or to justice as a righteous act. Uh, The righteous in scripture denotes the servants of God, the saints, or you could say merited. Does this describe your service to Jesus? So we just read and defined how each of us are to serve Jesus. But when are we to serve Jesus this way? What's it say in verse 75? For as long as we live, we are to serve this way. It's a lot. There's more to the prophecy, though. Let's continue. Let's look at uh, 76 through 79. We'll finish up the prophecy. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. Your will, you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide us to the path of peace. As we begin this prophecy, we saw in the first few verses, it was really it was all about Jesus, wasn't it? Now it's kind of turned, right? These other few verses, now it's going into John the Baptist, talking about him a little bit. Um, It's talking about who he is and how he will go about preparing the people to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 77. It defines the message that John will bring, just as each one of us should preach also. It says, repent, turn to faith in Jesus. Receive Salvation through the forgiveness of your sins. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Look at verse 78 and 79. The prophecy now turns back to Jesus. This is, we read the results and why Jesus is come. It's a beautiful picture. Look at them verses. It's just beautiful to me. As I look at these two verses, 78 and 79, it's just amazing. It's a, it's a picture in my mind. Now, I, ask, I don't know if you guys can get the same picture. Maybe you have a different picture in your mind. But if, I, if we were to close our eyes, and I'm going to read this verse slowly. I want you to think about this as I read the verse. So just close your eyes and think about this verse. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to give us to the path of peace. I imagine myself, this picture in my mind, I imagine myself sitting under a tree, 
way up in the mountains. I'm from central Nevada. There's really big mountains there. And uh, about 10,000 feet. So it's, people are thinking Nevada, they think a desert, and they got, it's high desert. And I've spent a lot of time in the mountains up there. And I imagine sitting up under a tree before the sun has risen, pitch dark. You know, right then, right before that sun comes up, you know, guys know it's the coldest part of the day, right before that sun comes up. That's when it gets the very coldest. So sitting there in darkness, cold. And as I start to see the light on the horizon, I see this picture here in this verse. I see it's like hope rising. You know, I'm going to warm up because <laughs> it's so cold. And as the sunlight begins to reach me, uh, begins to hit my skin, I feel the warmth on my skin. And I start feeling the sun's rays. And I start, as the light increases, I start to see around me. As it starts to get brighter around me, I start to see all the things around me that I couldn't see before, the things that were hidden because of the darkness. As I see this picture, it's the truth of the world is then shown to me. And then, even as, as this scripture says, I, I get a peace upon me because I look around and the light has revealed everything around me and all God's creation and just to reflect on all that Christ has done for me. I don't know. I just saw a beautiful picture in the last few verses and I don't know if you guys could see that kind of picture or not, but to me it was uh, just really beautiful. Really beautiful. Just to, to share that with you guys and know that sometimes when you see Verses like this, I can just close my eyes and just imagine myself. Because I really think in this, he's trying to paint a picture. But let's, let's finish up with verse 80. John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. So in this last verse, it simply tells us that John grew up and he became strong in the spirit while living in the desert until he began his ministry. Pretty simple verse. I did notice something in this verse, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. But it does say that he became strong in the Spirit. And I found that interesting. So as he grew up, he became stronger in the Spirit. So this, this was, it seemed to be a, a process that took place. A process as maturing. And when it came to the right time, he went out strong in Spirit and fulfilled that calling upon his life. As I think about that in my own life, God has used many times in my life to mold me, is what I would say, become strong in the Spirit. Uh, times where I would surrender everything that I was to the Lord. Uh, times where I would place my faith entirely in Jesus and become stronger in my faith through the Holy Spirit. And then to go out and fulfill that calling that he placed on my life. As we close, you know, I really enjoyed these passages this week. Um, and my hope... As I read and I study the passages, I hope that I would come away with something that I would uh, just draw me closer to the Lord or something that I could take outside and apply to my life, um, some way I could know Jesus more intimately. And, you know, I pray the Holy Spirit would reveal to me as I read these verses just how I can serve him each and every day even more. As I read the passages, I saw two main points that convicted me. And maybe the Holy Spirit would speak these points to you, or maybe he would speak some other lesson through these verses. I'm not sure. But both the lessons that I really took from this as I read it were in the prophecy. So I'd like to look at that again. In 68 through 75, if you look at the verses there, we see that Zechariah praises the Lord. And look at the passage. How did he praise the Lord? He praises the Lord that he sent his son. He praises the Lord that he redeemed us. He praises the Lord that he sent the mighty Savior. 
He praises the Lord that he kept his promise. He praises the Lord that he rescued us from our enemies. He praises the Lord that God has given us mercy. He praises the Lord that God has always remembered us and remembered his promises. That was my first kind of conviction I got. Am I praising the Lord daily in that same manner? Or what, like I talked earlier, am I just giving thanks when I'm like healed or if I'm out of some certain situation or he's provided financially for me or um, whatever the case is, right? They're not bad things to praise the Lord for. But am I praising God like this prophecy each day and thanking him just for who he is and what he's done? And for me, I need to praise him this way. I really do. Because just, he doesn't need to do anything else for me. He already did it. Just praising him for what he's already, who he is and what he's done, that is worthy of praise. And so often, I think that I get, oh, thank you for this and thank you for that. You know, thank you for just loving me. So, second point I saw was, which I went through quite a bit. Am I serving God without fear and in holiness and righteousness? That was a big question I saw in there. Without fear, just to review it to me, was to serve God with no reservations. Reservations of what could happen or could not happen. To obey and trust God with all the outcomes, just to be faithful. To serve Him with holiness. To serve God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Always turning from sin and never stumbling to unbeliever. To remain holy. Righteousness. Are we serving Him in, a right, in righteousness? Are you serving God with a clean heart? And obeying his commands daily. So the, can we praise God each and every day for who he is and what he's done for us? Then pray that each of us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God would empower us to serve him in this way. Because I can't, I can't serve him this way. I'm not capable. There's no way I can serve without fear. No way I can serve him holy and righteous. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. So we need to pray for that, that we can serve him in that way, each one of us. As we close, we are going to take communion today, but I want to turn back to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel, chapter 2. I want to look at two verses to closing. Uh, someone go get, anyone able to get them? Yeah, texting the kids to come down. Perfect. 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 1. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you have rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our Lord. We're going to pass out communion here in a minute. And we're going to take communion and pray together. The children are going to come in. But as they're preparing, I'd like you to turn to Acts. Many of you have not taken communion with us here. And I tell you, I do communion different sometimes. Um, Sometimes we do it all together. Sometimes I'll have you break up in families and do it together as a family and just pray. And we'll bless it and pray together and then do it as a family. Um, today, I'm going to have us, uh, as we were talking, as Zechariah got in that prophecy, and he listed all the things that he praises God for. I want that to be the focus of our communion today. As we take communion, as we reflect on who God is and who Jesus is, I want to praise him for who he is and what he's done. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in the meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. I think it's very important. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
Look at verses 23 through 28. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For each time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Kids coming in? So I want each of us to think how we can praise God. Um, you know, I think we, I don't know about you guys, but I really think I've missed that in my prayer life. I, I so often, I thank him for all these things. I go through, I pray for you guys. I go through the prayer request and uh, I ask, um, you know, if someone's sick, uh, safety of whatever they're doing. But Zechariah there, if you look back in Luke, I just love how he did that. He just thanks him. I'm going to turn back to Luke. He thanks him here for Jesus, for, for his redemption, for being the mighty Savior, fulfilling his promises, saving, saving us, for his mercy, um, for his promises. Um, and then, you know, even that we can serve God without fear. So as we get ready to take communion, I'd like each of us to take the cracker and the juice, and we're going to... Each of us mentioned something that we can praise the Lord for. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, Lord. As we study your word, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal each one of us a different lesson, Lord. How we can look at this, we can properly interpret what you are saying, what it's meant to mean, but we can take an application from the passage, Lord, and apply it to our lives. Lord, I just love... How Zechariah just comes before you and he praises you, Lord. In his first words, after being deaf and mute, Lord, he just lays down all these praises of who you are and what you've done, Lord. Never once in the praises they see, thank you for healing me, although I'm sure he felt that way. What he was so excited about, Lord, in this prophecy, as you've done revealed to him through the Holy Spirit, Lord, was Jesus. It was all about Jesus, Lord. So, Lord, as we get ready to take this, this bread... Lord, I just pray that each of us would remember what it means to us, Lord, and who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. And just to remember, Lord, that when you said it was finished, Lord, when your body was broken for each one of us, Lord, that was for each one of us personally, Lord. That wasn't, it, it, Lord, if it was just us, it was, you were there for us. Lord, as we drink the cup, Lord, the wine, the juice, Lord, we remember the promises that you've given us, Lord. So, Lord, as we praise you, Lord, as we celebrate who we are and what you've done, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, Lord, we, our hearts would just continue, Lord, just to seek you in this, Lord. Lord, I just thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, just to come before you. And, Lord, again, I just ask for a blessing on this bread and this juice that, Lord, it would be a time of reflection, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray each one of us now would just take a moment, Lord, as we take the bread and we just reflect. If there's anything in our lives, Lord, that we need to come before you, if there's any sin in our life that's not repented of, Lord, if there's anything that we have against a fellow brother or sister in Christ, Lord, we would take care of that today, Lord. Lord, again, if there's any sin, we would take care of that, Lord. We'd lay it down right now before the cross, Lord, and just leave it there, Lord, and turn to seeking you. So, Lord, please just accept our prayers. 
accept our worship in the form of this taking communion. And Lord, just bless our time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.